Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. I'm Stephen Cat Perry. Our guest today is Sarah Sample, a modern singer-songwriter whose skill at turning lyrics has won her several awards over the years and praise from music critics, too. Sarah is the product of a musical family with a large vinyl collection. Growing up, she heard everything from Bonnie Raitt to classical. She started on the piano as a kid, but left it after her mom gave her an old guitar in sixth grade, which was really the beginning of everything. Now she's got three albums, an EP, and as many more songs into her career, and has crisscrossed the United States countless times, singing everywhere from Nashville to Santa Fe and amphitheaters to house concerts, not to mention mountaintops and busy sidewalks. The Salt Lake City Weekly wrote that her raw, graceful voice enhances lyrics that cut to the bone and called her the standard of comparison for other female folk singer-songwriters. We're excited to have Sarah in the studio today, and she's not here alone. She brought some musical friends, were Dylan Shorer, lap steel and guitar, Pat Campbell with percussion and drums, and Ryan Tanner, piano and vocals. And we better start right off with music. And if you're trying to figure out what category to put Sarah's music in, how about just good? This song is Calling Your Name from her new album, Someday, Someday. I'm mm-hmm. 
That's Calling Your Name, performed live here in Studio 6 by Sarah Sample. This is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Sarah, thank you so much for coming in today. And I, I read that that song that you just sang kind of came to you all at once. Yeah, it did. I think songwriting is a mysterious business, and some songs take months or years to write, and, and that song seemed to just land in my lap, so... Which way do you usually write? Is it one way or the other? Um, usually the beginning of a song will show up and hopefully get you excited enough to work on it long enough. But there there usually seems to be a section of the song that I get stuck on, whether it's a bridge or out of the chorus or, you know, something that gives a little bark back. So <laughs> this song, yeah, came very quickly one night and there it was. You take songwriting pretty seriously. You've been to a lot of different retreats. We'll talk about some of them later. One of them, the Rocky Mountain Song School near uh-huh. Boulder. Will you tell me the story, because I love the way you tell it, about how you got there late at night and just, just the whole process <laughs> the first time. Because I think we would all be scared going to some brand new thing. Will I be any good? How does this work? Yeah, sure. I think, um, well, I've been songwriting or interested in songwriting since I was a kid and um, been writing songs since grade school, but I had heard about this songwriting school in Colorado that was part of the Rocky Mountain Folks Festival. And the week before the festival, they invite a bunch of the performers to come and teach songwriting classes. And I had heard about it 
you know, through someone. And so my sister and my cousin and I decided um, we were all interested in songwriting. We decided we were going to show up together. So we pull up to the grounds at two in the morning. And by then there's a few solitary song circles that are still going on. But we're, we have no idea where to go. We have no idea where to park. We're trying to set up a tent randomly. People are giving us eyes because we're being way too loud. And it was intimidating and also turned out to be a really wonderful and transformational week. So I've been going for the last decade every year, and I love it. I like the image you put on your blog about starting on the outside of the circle, sort of how does this work, and then moving closer and closer to the center. Yeah. And then what happened when you finally got to play? You know, I'm trying to remember the first time, but they have um, what they have different song circles and it, they can start casually or more formally. But there's one formal song circle that's called the bot or the big orange tarp. And um, it's kind of curated. So there's someone who is leading the circle around and and um, and on a really busy night, you may wait two hours, you know, for it to make it all the way around to get to be your turn. So I don't know what I played, but I'm sure I was terrified and <laughs> I'm sure I was trying to be my best and, you know, really make inroads. And Well, you kept going back. You must have found something useful there. I think what I found most useful there was a community that cares about the songwriter and a community that fosters the belief in each other that it's important and that this craft is really important. And um, I've felt drawn to, to songwriting since I was a kid, and it still is a language that connects me to the world around me and connects me to you know my inner self and spirituality and on and on. So I think to be in a community that feels the same is pretty enticing. You want to keep going back to that. I wanted to ask, you do because learning the craft of songwriting, as you said, but it seems to me from reading some of your writings as well as your lyrics, you're also crafting a life. <laughs> I, I think you look at it that way. Is that, is that close to how, how you work at, at shaping and deciding who you want to be? And Yeah, I mean, I think that I try to be intentional about my life. I try to be intentional about my choices and um, what it looks like. I mean, I think... I was just talking to Ryan as we were on our way over here and how we don't really know what the picture, the big picture is going to look like. We have all these hopes and dreams of what we want it to look like, but in the end, it really is this kind of big mysterious event. And we hope that, you know, it, it'll turn out better than we expect. Our expectations have been well met by, <laughs> by your work. In fact, we want to hear some more, so I'll let you go at, head, head over and pick up your guitar. We are going to be hearing a song called uh, Heart That Falls Apart. And uh, this, by the way, I should mention, can be downloaded for free on Sarah's website, which is sarahsample.com. And uh, I went there. It's under the store link, and you can download Heart That Falls Apart for free. And I want to tell you, I have a favorite lyric of all the songs that you're performing today is in this song, but I'm not going to tell you which one, maybe till after. <laughs> so if we're ready, let's hear a Heart That Falls Apart from Sarah Sample. Say I got the same one right 
from the start Some people get their daddy's laugh Well, I got a heart that falls apart Splits right in half Steady arc. I'm not the solid ground, no shoulder to lean on. But I'll give a heart that falls apart. I'll give a heart that falls apart. Oh, he'll never cry alone when I'm around. draw that line But it's not the way this heart was designed In joy or sorrow it acts the same See I got a heart that falls apart in everything Give a heart that falls apart You'll never cry alone when I'm around
That was Heart That Falls Apart, performed by Sarah Sample, along with Dylan Shore, Pat Campbell, Ryan Tanner. You're listening to Highway 89, a live music performance program from the studios of BYU Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Quick reminder, you can download that song for free at sarahsample.com. That's a nice gift, Sarah. Oh, well. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, my favorite line. It's two, and they're in the chorus. I mean, the whole thing's great. I really love that song. But I'm not the solid ground, and you'll never cry alone when I'm around. Well, I always tell the story before I play that song that my mom is a crier. <laughs> that I point out in you know the first line of the song, and I, I used to hate it when I was a kid because it was just really embarrassing when your mom would be crying around your friends at movies or TV shows. And then at some point in my adulthood, the gene activated in my system, <laughs> and all of a sudden I became a huge crier, and I cry at things that are sad, but I also cry generally at almost every movie preview. And I cry, you know, anything that's narrated by Morgan Freeman, I'm sure to be bawling at. And I just, I'm not the friend that you call when you are falling apart and want to be held together. I am the friend that you call when you want someone to dissolve into the puddle with you. I'm pretty good at that. You know, just being there with somebody, (laughs) that's a real gift. (laughs) That's more important, I think, than you let on in the song. That's pretty incredible. Uh, I do have to warn you, if there was a theme to this little interview section right here, it's we read your blog <laughs> and we have things to ask about. Oh, okay. <laughs> so one of the, th- you had a section said uh, you wrote five truths and a lie. Oh. <laughs> okay. Maybe people have played this game. You've really done your homework. I'm well, so impressed. We try I mean, and you be, know so much. We try and be ready to embarrass, I mean, to, to, to spotlight our guests. And so... Uh, <laughs> Five truths and a lie. So we have to read these six things and decide well, only one of them is a lie. Okay. Number one, I'm going to try. I don't even remember what I wrote. I'm this going to try and ago. tell from your expression. But okay. uh, number one, had a guinea pig that once ran away, came back a month later missing an eye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> number two, I was the fastest girl in my grade school class, even won the annual turkey trot. Okay. Seems possible so far. Three, I have escaped a forest fire. I think that must be true, because if you hadn't, we wouldn't be here. That, I'm trying to eliminate. Four, I hate eggs. Five, I once broke two bones in one day, separately. Okay. And six, I've attended four rainbow gatherings, which people can look up on the internet if they want to get a little deeper into what that entails. So really, I have no guess uh, which one might not be true. I, I, I'm just going to say I hate eggs. Because I want the other ones to be true so bad. Well, actually, I do hate eggs. Um, The lie is I've never broken a bone in my life. The rest are all true. I did have a guinea pig that came back a month later missing an eye. It was pretty miraculous. Did you make a little eye patch for it? I should have. I wasn't into crafts that early in my life, but I could now. Well, your blog obviously is entertaining reading and thoughtful. In, in a variety of ways, if people want to take the time and go there to your website, it, it's a lot of fun to get to know what's going on behind you. Also, you're married. Your husband is a doctor, but you get away together on back, backpacking trips. Uh-huh. Is that something you've always liked? <laughs> is that something you do for him or, or what? You know, he is the epitome of a mountain man. He is really drawn to the mountains. When I met him, he was a river guide down in Moab. He's an amazing rock climber. He's an amazing lightweight backpacker and something that he really cares about. And so although I grew up, you know, we would go camping every once in a while as a kid, it was never something that I would say I was good at or 
that we did all the time. But as soon as I started dating James, that became a regular part of our life. And um, I used to think that I was really good at it. And and then at some point in my life, I recognized uh, I probably was not as good as I thought in the beginning, more just that I was falling really hard for someone who was good at it. <laughs> so we, well, we go backpacking about once or twice a year still, and then he can go as much as he wants. So we're actually going to Yosemite next week. Mm. And I've never, well, maybe I've been when I was a kid, but I, I don't remember too well. So we're going to Yosemite and we, we usually go backpacking once or twice a year and it's, we love it. So the big question, backpacking, you have yeah. to be really compact in what you take. Do you include a guitar? I do not bring a guitar. Mm. I do not bring a guitar. Usually we're just going for a few days. So um, although I have, we have talked about possibly bringing a, getting a backpacker guitar along the way. I have done some songwriting though, but just in a notebook or something. But it's definitely, it's pretty inspiring to get away from your phone and away from just life and be somewhere really quiet. I think that that's pretty important to the creative process. Good. Well, let's hear more of the results of your creative process. We're going to hear a song that, uh, well, once after a house concert, and we'll talk more about those in just a minute, but one of uh, one of Sarah's friends' husband said, Sarah made me cry like four times last night. <laughs> and so I'm supposed to warn you, this next song sometimes does that to people. Uh, this is the only one in the group I haven't heard yet, so I'm really excited to hear Shadows of a Song. Looks like it's time to put on the capo here. We're just tuning up. That's great. Sarah has three full-length albums and an EP. Rotate is is an album, Never Close Enough, and the new one, Someday, Someday, plus Born to Fly, which is a five-song EP. Here is Shadows of a Song. Once my love was a band And you were the kick drum jump start my heart and we'd start to run didn't care we were so young we try so hard to play With our hands full of false starts Till the downbeat dragged us apart Chasing shadows 
That Shadows of a Song, performed live by Sarah Sample on Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, glad to be your host today. Sarah, do you remember your very first paid gig? Oh, gosh. It still hasn't happened, but... <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> you can't wait. <laughs> I do remember the first, um, the first show that I played that was my own show was at the end of high school. And it was at a coffee shop, and... I remember that I had brought in, I had to bring in some type of recording and I didn't of course have an album at that point and I don't, I don't even know what I gave him, but, um, I gave him a tape or something and he booked me to play this little cafe and I remember it was a two hour coffee show and for someone who's never played a show, two hours of music is an incredible amount of music (laughs) and so I just remember being very overwhelmed at the prospect of having to come up with two hours of music and I think I played a lot of covers that night I didn't have much in the original repertoire so when you give a concert do you do you tend to to be a storyteller in between the songs I think I probably talk too much (laughs) yeah I I love to I love to tell where the songs are from and I mean I think when you are performing that that there's a craft to the flow of a concert and so I think you always just have to be in tune with the audience and know when to talk and when to just shut your mouth and let the song do the talking. I mean, hopefully the song craft is good enough that you shouldn't really have to explain the song, but I think people really enjoy hearing the root of a song and where it came from. And oftentimes if you tell a little bit of background, then they can make a a deeper connection to it. Are you ever surprised when people say, oh, I love your song about this and it's not what you intended that it was about? Yeah, I do. Um, And sometimes it's really touching. I one time had a woman 
there's a song we're actually playing maybe next and and uh a woman wrote me that she had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and she had heard this song called every time i go that i wrote for my daughter and um it was her song that she thought of that she would like give to her kids when she died i mean it was kind of like wow. her farewell song and you know for me it wasn't a it is a farewell song but it wasn't you know a, a dying that type of farewell and so yeah i think it's I think it's amazing when people take your song and make it their own. I think that's the point of why we do this is so that there can be kind of a common language between us all. So house concerts, let's talk about these for a minute because you do a bunch. This is something that is really catching on. More and more people are hearing about that, which is, I I mean, this is no mystery. It's a concert and a house. Someone says, come to my house. I've got this great artist coming. Come and and maybe they suggest a price or you'll sell CDs, whatever it is. Yeah. What do you love about house concerts? Well, I think the first thing I love about it is that it allows me to travel. It allows me to play to audiences all over the United States. Um, I don't have to fill a club, you know, which which is really hard to do when you're new to a city and you maybe know two people there and no one's heard of you. And it's a lot of pressure to be booked finally into a place that you've dreamed of playing and then, you know, have the pressure of I have to bring 20 or 30 people to it. And so to be able to play a house concert, you know, anyone can host it. We do a lot of fan hosted house concerts across the country. And we basically just say, invite your friends, everybody bring a dish to share and let's just set up in your living room and, and have a great music night. Plus, don't you think afterwards, everybody feels like I just had a really cool experience oh, yeah. that I'm going to remember forever that will never be repeated exactly the same anywhere. Sure. And it is really intimate. I mean, most of the house concerts that I play are in the, anywhere between 30 and 60 people. And so you have 30 people in a room together and I'm five feet from them. And sometimes there's a sound system and sometimes there's not. And there's nothing separating you. And you know, there's no off stage. You you put your guitar down in, on the couch and then you go talk to people and you really get to know the landscape of America that way. I mean, I've been to, I've been able to stay in the homes of people in Iowa, Nebraska, and New Jersey and places I, I would know nothing about and, and get to know some pretty incredible people. That's great. Plus, if someone already loves your work, they're the perfect person to invite their friends and say, you really have to hear this oh, person. Yeah. I love her songs. Yeah, it's a really cool self-sustaining, you know, method of playing music. And, of course, playing a big theater or playing a great club is also incredible, too. But I think there's I think there's room for it well, all. Well, and some people, a lot of singer-songwriters coming up end up playing either a lot of bars or restaurants, which is music to eat to. Yeah. And and you, you're ignored the whole time. I know. It's hard. Your songs seem like you need to hear the lyrics and know what's going on. Yeah, if I'm going to play to people who aren't listening, I better be getting paid. (laughs) 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 But yet, I I don't have too much of a hard time playing to people, you know, who just have an open heart for free. (laughs) So besides your solo career, you also of late have been traveling and, and performing with the Lower Lights. Yeah. Which is this conglomeration of sort of like minded artists, people who've worked together, including the guys who are playing here. Yep today and what has that been like has that been fun to have that whole other thing where suddenly you're part of the huge group the oh big it's group? remarkable i love it i feel so grateful every time we get to play a show with the lower lights first of all they're just my friends first mm. and foremost and i respect them as musicians and i love them as people and i think you can feel that if you come to our shows that we just care about each other and we care about the songs and it's also not original music it's 
you know, we're singing old hymns and Hank Williams tunes. And so I think the ego gets out of the way and we just get to have a lot of fun. And some great harmonies. It's fun. And the audience gets to sing along too. I don't know if that's intended, but it always happens. Yeah, we want it to feel like that. We want everyone to feel part of the band. Well, you mentioned this next song uh, that has been meaningful to a lot of people and that you wrote it for your daughter. Yeah. Tell me about coming up with the idea. So my, I have a five-year-old now. I can't believe she's five. Um, June, who, when I first started touring again, when she was a baby, my mom would take care of her and I would be on the road for a few days at a time. And so I just wanted to write a song to her that basically I think is the idea that every parent has, which is nothing can separate the love of family. You know, Mm. that love can travel distance and nothing can stop you know, a parent's love. That's a, let's hear it. That's a, a, a great thought and something every parent feels and really uh, every lover, every friend, when you send people off, it's yeah. a great idea. Every time I go, this is from the new album, Someday, Someday. Yeah. 
Performed live by Sarah Sample on Highway 89. That's every time I go. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and Sarah has won a lot of different awards uh, from Folk Fest 2000, Folks Fest 2008, festivals at Telluride, Kerrville, Sisters, and also the Mountain New Song Festival. Sarah, there are probably a lot of young singer-songwriters, probably even listening, who are thinking, man, I, I want to do that. I've got the beginnings of that. Do, do I go for it? What do you say when people come up and ask? <laughs> you know, I think you know if you're called to do something like this, if you're drawn to it. And um, I think, of course, there's all different levels of what a songwriter looks like. And um, I think what's important is that you write and that you take the time to really work on the craft of writing and, and to do the work of it. As far as the rest of the outcome and how that turns out, who knows, you know? And I think we live in an era that really makes us want to compare ourselves to each other and really feel like fame is the most important thing or to see how many fans we have or tweets we have and everything else. And I I think at the end of the day, you know, if you want to be a songwriter, then you just have to write. And um, hopefully the work that you put into the craft of it will take you where you need to go. So do you see that the people who are more, most successful are those who will spend the time crafting a song and willing to hear other people's input on their music and make changes? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, for instance, the song that I just played and also Shadows of a Song, our good friend Paul Jacobson, who was supposed to be here tonight to play and sing with us, got sick today, um, sadly, so he couldn't make it. But he's co-written a, a bunch of songs with me, and including those last two songs that he really helped make what they are. And I think the process of co-writing is really wonderful. It can be uncomfortable, and it, it can be incredible, and everything in between, but having a person that you trust and look up to listen to your songs and kind of give feedback. I mean, I think that that's one of the most important things I will say is that don't give a, a new baby song to listening ears that you don't care about. I mean, send your songs to someone that, that you admire what they do and that mm. you trust their opinion. Um, because if you give a new song to somebody who's careless with it, they might shut down something that could be wonderful and you might leave it behind when it could be really incredible if you just nurtured it a little bit more. And it seems like co-writing would be a great chance to separate yourself from your work, that here you are two people working on improving the work and you don't have to take any critique personally. Yeah, and when you co-write, your song's going to end up in a place it would have never been without the other person, which is a really amazing journey to take, uh, you know, in any sort of craft. So 
yeah, that's been really fun. Um, I've written with Ryan and a few other people and just to be able to write with someone and have a different opinion is is a great experience. So for your most recent album, Someday Someday, you did more than just make an album. You you made a movie, a film out of the whole experience. <laughs> so what were you thinking? Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to document the process of making the album for several reasons. One, just so that when I'm old and decrepit on a couch somewhere that my children and grandchildren can look at this movie and be like, wow, this was this was my grandma, or this was my mom, you know, and she did this. She followed her heart and followed this dream. And I think that's important to document it and not just to hear it, but to see it. And another reason I wanted to document it, and our good friend Jed Wells did it, and he was amazing, um, was because I think the process of recording this last album, we knew we were going to do it live. And so it was just going to be all of us in a room together and really feeding off of each other's energy and trusting one another. And it was a really joyful journey to take, and I wanted to see it. And even when I go back, I've gone back a few times and watched it, I cry every time. I mean, it's so emotional for me to see the people I love playing my songs and making them better. So, yeah, it was awesome. And and that actual documentary is on uh, the website, too. Oh, people that's are cool. interested to watch to that. Take a look. Were there ever any times when you thought, oh, man, I wish the cameras were not here right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know it's hard for me sometimes to hear myself talking. Uh-huh. I'm used to hearing myself singing, but to hear me talking still feels uncomfortable to me, um, like we're doing right now. <laughs> let's Let's talk about voices, because everybody sounds different, and when singers first start out, they because they don't sound like anyone else, it's hard to tell if you're good or not. It's always comparison. Did you do you think it took you a while to find the songs that fit your voice? Yeah, that's that's an interesting point you bring up. I mean, I think one thing that I've learned is that I'm not a singer that can sing everything well. I mean, I think I'm really good at singing my songs and and a few other songs too. But I I mean, I'm not I don't have a voice that can sing anything well. And some people have that, but. I think the more that I get to learn my voice, the more that I get to learn the range and the dynamic and and the grooves that it fits really well into. And and that's taken years to figure that out. And you think you've learned to write for yourself as a singer? I think so. I think I'm getting closer to it. Well, you know, I'm trying I've been listening to you and trying to pick out words out of the air to describe what I feel and what I hear from you. And one of them is a faint smile, one of as you sing, and one of them is a hint of wistful loneliness. And, but it's the combination of those things that I think makes it real. I, I heard a, a, a poet once say, uh, I want to say Robert Frost, but as soon as I say his name, it won't be him. So a poet, <laughs> an American poet once said, if you want to write uh, something happy, be sure there's enough sadness in it to make it real and vice versa. Yeah. A sad poem that there has to be that glimmer of hope or else it's not real. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing I care a lot about is is being real in my songs, and that means being heartbreaking and being sad and being silly and joyful and everything along the way. And so, yeah, I, I, I try to tap into what is real, even if it's painful to say that. So do you keep a journal? And if so, do those writings end up as songs? Hmm. I don't keep a journal. Well, I, I keep a periodic journal. Um, when I was younger, actually, I wrote daily in a journal. I have books of journals from when I was a teenager, but um, now that I have two children, it's that's fallen off a little bit. But I do try to um, write, and so free write or other things. And, and yeah, some of those writings turn into songs. 
Well, we want to hear one more. Great. If that's all right. We don't want to get away without another one. And this song is called Mercy Me. This is from the EP, the three full albums, and then the five-song EP called Born to Fly. And this is one of the songs that took shape when Sarah was at the Rocky Mountain Song School in Colorado. It's Mercy Me. Thank you. 
That's Mercy Me, performed live on Highway 89. And sadly, that concludes the music of this episode. Our special guests today have been singer-songwriter Sarah Sample, along with some terrific musicians, writers, and vocalists on their own, Dylan Shore, Pat Campbell, Ryan Tanner. Sarah Sample has performed across the U.S., most recently at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville and downtown Provo's Rooftop Concert Series. She shared stages with the likes of Daryl Scott, Melissa Farrick, Willie Porter, Peter Himmelman, and Mark Stewart and Stacey Earle. You can learn more about her latest projects and concerts by visiting her website, sarahsample.com. That's Sarah with an H. And don't forget the free download there. Oh. Actually, I looked today. There are two. Sarah, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for interviewing. You've been so kind to have us. It's been really wonderful. We really appreciate coming in. Great. We love also to hear from you, our listeners, and we welcome your comments and questions about the show. You can contact us. Just send an email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, and our producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thank you for listening. Thank you.